that stuff is all out of your control. You can't, you can't, you don't know what workouts are going to come out. You don't know who's going to be there. You don't know what judges, like you, you don't know, you can't, you don't know and you can't control any of that stuff. And if you are focused on the result, I don't think that you're ever truly going to be happy. Um, but if you focus on the day to day and you, and you, if you can lay your head down at the end of each day and say, okay, did I do everything today in my power to move myself towards that goal? Trident Coffee is sponsoring this episode of the Invictus Mindset Podcast. My guys over at Trident taught me something really important this last year, that we are all a bundle of stories, both good and bad and everything in between. At Trident, they're storytellers. All of their cold brews remind their customers that that they are part of something bigger than themselves. They help create connections through symbology and storytelling that engage their customers on an emotional level, and this distinguishes them from other coffee brands. You can find Trident in Imperial Beach and in Coronado. They offer over 14 plus nitro cold brews along with dairy-free options. You can find the perfect brew and pair it with one of their treats from their keto bakery. All these options will allow you to support your health and fitness journey with Trident Coffee. They're more than just a coffee company. You can check them out over at tridentcoffee.com and use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Once again, that's tridentcoffee.com. Use code INVICTUS20 for 20% off online and in tap rooms. Take your coffee experience to the next level. Striving to maximize your potential through health, wellness, and high-level fitness requires tremendous midline strength and stability. Allow the crew over at Element 26 to co-pilot your journey so that you can destroy PRs and not destroy your body. They have this amazing self-locking weightlifting belt that provides a 4-inch uniform profile for optimal intra-abdominal pressure and back support. This quick-release technology allows the pressure to be placed on the buckle and pin instead of the Velcro. Nothing's worse than being at the bottom of a squat and having the Velcro pop on your weightlifting belt. Head on over to element26.co and use code INVICTUS10 at checkout to receive 10% off all online purchases. Head on over to element26.co and use code INVICTUS10 at checkout to receive 10% off all online purchases. Destroy your PRs, not your body. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Invictus Mindset Podcast. Today's guest is a CrossFit athlete who bursted onto the scene in 2021 with a 12th place finish at West Coast Classic. He's a coach with Underdogs Athletics and one of the tallest guys competing in the sport, Mr. Matt DeLugos. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Um, first of all, it's it's one of the first conversations I've had above six feet in a long time. So, you know, always, always got to give a quick shout out to Team Too Tall. So thanks so much for joining me, dude. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Um, funny little side story. Last year after West Coast Classic, um, I had a fellow tall boy, Brent Zikowski, reach out to me because 
we were trying to figure out the rig height. Um, and I don't know if you've watched West Coast, but plenty of times I was kicking my feet on the bottom of, of the floor. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were trying to figure out where the height should be. But Brent did say that across all semifinals in the, in the world, um, I was actually the tallest registered CrossFit athlete. So I think that's pretty cool, you know, being, being the tallest. Like, obviously, I have to make it to the games to make it, like, super official. But, um, yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool. Totally, man. I think I think that's a great place to start the conversation, which is, you know, there's there's not many tall people within the sport. Biomechanically, it's hard to to maneuver distance over time. And in a sport that is so concerned around metrics, force times distance over time, I mean, your distance is always going to be a little bit further than most people in most things. Uh, we have a little bit of an advantage, obviously, on the monostructural things of machines and, and having the weight um, to generate a little bit of power. But it, it's definitely a sport. When you look at the generalized body type and genetics of some of the top athletes, they're typically between 5'7 and 5'10 and around 195 to 205. And so you're definitely definitely like navigating waters where you're you're a rarity, a rare commodity out there, man. How does that make you feel? You know what? To be honest, I, I try not to think too much about it because I think that can lead into some um, some negative conversations with yourself. You know, if I'm always concerned about how tall my competitors are or how hard it is because of my height, I think that I would end up being, you know, pretty discouraged most of the time. But um, so I, I really try not to think about it. You know, I just, I, we always have the conversations out here of how can I maximize my performance? Um, how can I maximize my efficiency? How can I, like, what, what's the best that I can do? Um, and, you know, we've, like I said, we've had that conversation to where given my height and everything, like, obviously it's possible if there's a guy like Brent Pikowski who can finish third, you know, finish on the podium being six foot two or three. So obviously it's possible, but we just try to figure out like, what is the best case scenario for me in this workout? Um, what can I do to, you know, to try to circumnavigate some of those things? Like how can I transition faster? How can I save one second here or there or half a second on a rep? Um, and so just those, those little things make it fun for me because I think like, I know physically I'm not at my potential yet, um, and so being able to, you know, express my fitness the ways that I am, but still know that there are a lot of things that I can get better at and that like this journey is always going to kind of be an uphill battle. Um, I think that's like, that's what fires me up to keep, keep doing it. Um, you know, and also to, to kind of show people that like, yeah, you can do it at six, four, like you can, you can still be an athlete. You can still go out there and do thrusters and burpees, you know, just as, just as quick, we might have to work a little bit harder, but um, it is possible. So, totally, man. I really honor you sharing that. I think it's it's a cool irony associated with the fact that you're now with Underdog Athletics, and there's a, a subtle underdog mentality that comes from being, you know, a, a, a larger, taller athlete. And I think you said on another podcast, the wolf climbing the mountain is typically hungrier, hungrier than the wolf at the top of the mountain. How does that mentality, you know, kind of give you a little bit of fuel in your tank? I know when I was competing, 
And I would get, you know, certain comments from either coaches or from fellow competitors like, oh, yeah, you, you did great, like for your size. Like it always was this like little voice in the back of my head, almost like a Rudy mentality of like, I don't care about my size. I care about maximizing my potential, staying in my lane and squeezing every last ounce of possibility within, you know, the, the, the fitness arena. And so along that landscape, you know, what kind of floats to the surface within your brain when I talk about that underdog mentality associated with comments that I'm sure you receive about your size? Yeah, I think that um, I really want to try to prove. I, I, I want to try to prove it to myself, but I also kind of like to prove people wrong. Um, and like I said, like, yeah, I'm supposed to be good at the rower and wall balls and uh, you know, whatever else, like the bike and all that kind of stuff. But like, I am not scared to go head to head with anybody on strict handstand pushups. Like I will, I've been working, I'm so, is it, am I allowed to, I, I probably shouldn't curse on this. I've been working my butt off, um, you know, on handstand pushups. Right. So like, I want to show that I want to show you that. And I think that it just kind of like, I want to show you how hard I've worked, but at the same time, like, I don't ever want to use that as an excuse. I don't ever want to be like, oh, well, yeah, you should have you should have beat me on that workout. Like, it, it had strict handstands in it. It's like, I don't care. I don't care what it has in it. It could have every movement that I'm bad at. I'm still going to challenge you. I'm still going to say, hey, like, let's do this. Let's go head to head. Like, I, I was, I'm still going to get you on this workout. I love that mentality, Matt. It, it's one of those things that you're not afraid to fail. You're not afraid to lose. It's about the journey and it's about having the courage to stand up face to face with something that has preconceived notions. And I, I really love that about you. You mentioned the phrase, I love to prove people wrong. Where, where does that mentality come from? You know, I'll be honest. I, I don't really, I don't really know. Um, because whenever I, whenever I truly think about it, I've been graced with amazing people in my life that all believe in me and that all support me and that they all know that I'm capable of reaching, you know, and this is within my tight circle, but they know that I'm capable of reaching my goals. I think that that mentality goes into like, like I said, like knowing that maybe most CrossFit workouts aren't going to be ones that I should win or that I should be good at, or um, like there's movements that, you know, I'm just, physically not set up to be a fast athlete. Like if I'm doing burpees or last year I did strict handstand pushups next to Carrie Pierce and like she did probably four in the time it took me to do one. Um, and, but, but that's kind of where that mentality creeps in where I'm like, I'm going to show you that even though she's doing them faster than me, I'm still like, I'm still going to finish 10 seconds. Behind. Like I'm still going to do as well as I can. And, and I will show you guys that like, no matter what the workout is, like I said, no matter what the the competition gives us, like I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it and I'm never going to complain about my height. I'm never going to say, oh, this was unfit. Like you, you've only beat me because you're, you're you know, five foot six. It's like, I don't, I don't care. I don't look at it like that. I like that, man. What was your, your upbringing kind of like and where did, where did sport kind of enter your life? Because I'm assuming that some of these really strong competitive mindsets and, you know, little tools in your toolbox had to start sprouting from a seed that was planted long, long time ago. (laughs) 
Yeah, man, I've spent a little bit of time thinking about that recently. Um, And so sports kind of only started for me around like middle school. You know, like I was active as a kid, but like we did everything, you know, I played all different kinds of sports, but I was also, you know, I was also doing things with my pap. I was, you know, just running around in the woods. Like we were doing all sorts of stuff, but uh, whenever I got to middle school, I got to sixth grade, decided to try out for the basketball team, um, went through the tryouts and got cut. And I was, I'm an emotional person anyways. And, um, uh, and so whenever that happened, I, I was like, in tears I was crying at tryouts like went home got in the car um and kind of still remember the conversation that I have with my dad um I was just like yeah like I don't want to feel this way again like I don't want I don't want that to happen like we talked about what I would do for the next year to try to make it better um and ended up coming out in seventh grade and making it on the varsity team and, you know, so, so that's kind of when sports really started to take a bit of a, of a turn for me, um, where I started to take it a little bit more serious and took training more serious. Um, but then you get to high school and you know how it is. Like there are different sorts of personalities in high school. And, you know, unfortunately you come across some people that might be insecure about themselves, but take it out on others. And uh, that was definitely something that I experienced where, you know, my I hadn't started to grow yet, so I was still, you know, in the five slits, and um, I was a little bit heavier, and got made fun of a good bit for that, but didn't really, didn't really understand, like, how to make a change with it, um, so I was still, like, I was still playing sports, I was still really active, but, you know, I was, I was just a big kid, I was probably, at my height of senior year, I was, you know, 6'4", weighing 240, 245, so, was like 20 pounds heavier than I am right now. Um, but looking back on it, I think that those were probably two of the main things that like spur me to do what I'm doing. Um, you know, like I said, just because I feel like I've kind of, not that that's huge adversity, right? Like you know, I lived that I had an awesome childhood. Like I have awesome friends from, from, from that time. And, um, but I think that those, those two kind of things like really helped solidify like my mentality for where I'm at now. It's cool to hear that you've done some of that deep work. You've explored and reflected on your story, which I think is so important to better understand why you are the way you are. And I mean, we can get into the, the science debate and, you know, the physics of, of, you know, your genetics and why you're so talented and we can get into whoop score data and all that fun stuff. But I'm a huge believer that there's a there is an emotional component to why people turn out the way they do. And you had that experience getting cut from the basketball team and just that that feeling of I don't want to feel this again. And very fortunately, you could talk through some of those thoughts with your father so that way those thoughts didn't just get buried and deflected where you didn't know how to create actionables around them. And instead, that led to a deep desire to integrate a work ethic and generate skill acquisition so that then when that opportunity arose, you were like, hey, if I stay ready, I don't have to get ready. And I think that's so cool. I mean, we can relate that to Michael Jordan, right? When he was cut, when he was, you know, trying out for the basketball team when he was young. And it's like fun to ask the question, would he be Michael Jordan if he never went through that? 
And it's annoying to hear, but it's almost like these bits of adversity kind of help shape the rest of our lives. And so, like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's cool that that seems to be a little bit of a pillar that stands out in your headspace as you reflect on your story. Yeah, very much so. Um, I'll tell you another little story that I reflect on a lot. Um, so whenever I was in high school, um, this was my junior year, um, came home one night, I uh, was talking to my parents. My dad had been like <clears throat> um, having this cough, kind of like a bronchitis, like maybe pneumonia, something like that. He'd been dealing with it for a little while. And um, came home one night and he was like, hey, we got to talk to you. Um, took some scans, actually had stage two lung cancer. Um, kind of just smacked out of the blue, right? Um, you know, disclaimer, he's still, he's, he's all right now. He's um, five years cancer-free, which is amazing. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Um, but I remember after that, like, I didn't know how to deal with all of that emotion. Like, I didn't know what to do with everything that I was feeling and everything that, that I was thinking about and going through. And there's just a lot to, to go through with something like that. And um, one of the things that he would always talk to me about was um, just just the like he would just talk to me about the idea of hard work. Um, Whenever he was, you know, as he was growing up, like he was, went to school to be a CPA uh, or to be an accountant, got a CPA, did all of that stuff. And he was like the embodiment of hard work when it came to that, right? Like he was the guy that was in the library till till midnight, like back at it at 6 a.m. Like he was, um, and, I, and I didn't just hear those stories from him. I would hear those stories from everybody that would come to me and talk to me and say, Oh, you're in Delugos? Like, oh, is your dad Todd? Yeah, we, we, yeah, he's he was the best CPA that I've ever like heard. Like, he was he was a great. He was like he was like, and he wouldn't say all this stuff. He would talk about the work that he put in. But that's where I think that I started to develop a little bit of that. And this kind of loops back to what you said about the journey. Which, whenever I started smiling, that was something that I think that's something I think about a lot. But you know, he would always talk about the the journey of the hard work and what you do day to day and like looking not far out, but looking, you know, what can I do today to help me reach towards that goal? But whenever other people talk about him, they talk about what he's done and they talk about all the things that he's accomplished and, and the, you know, the, the impact that he's had on their lives. So that's super cool, man. I, I think it's a huge compliment when your peers can really be complimentary of your work ethic and the results that have come as a byproduct of consistency, diligence, and really conti- continuously trying to do the right thing. And I also think there's something to, to peel back there around the concept of observational learning and how you know, you're know you over in Las Vegas now, surrounded by all these amazing athletes and, and human beings there at Underdog Athletics. And when you look at what you observed growing up, it's like, man, like I want to live up to those expectations that that my father said. And that's not just outcome-based, that's of work ethic. And that's something that's within your control. We always talk about control the controllable. And another thing that you mentioned that I think is a great nugget for people to, to, to leave this conversation with 
which is narrowing your focus, right? The best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And sometimes whether it's a workout, your Google calendar for that day, or tasks that need to to be accomplished, we can't look so far ahead. We have to practice the art of mindset chunking and really do one thing at a time. It sounds like you've acquired some of those skills. Maybe you didn't know it at the time, but now as you're getting a little bit older, you're surrounding yourselves with yourself with other like-minded individuals, these skills are starting to, to, to be realized by you. And the art of practicing them is great. And then you even get to take it a step further and you get to teach these skills now that you're a coach for underdog athletics. Like there's so much there, Matt, that I think is really cool for people to arm themselves within their, their toolbox for life. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I was having a conversation with um, an athlete of mine recently. And whenever we were talking, a lot of the conversation was focused around the end result and, you know, what they thought they were going to do or, um, you know, they, they were very nervous and very anxious about, oh, well, what about this person or what, what am I going to do? What are the workouts going to be? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and we just had this conversation of, hey, that stuff is all out of your control. You can't, you can't, you don't know what workouts are going to come out. You don't know who's going to be there. You don't know what judges, like you, you don't know, you can't, you don't know and you can't control any of that stuff. And if you are focused on the result, I don't think that you're ever truly going to be happy. Um, but if you focus on the day to day and you, if you can lay your head down at the end of each day and say, okay, did I do everything today in my power to move myself towards that goal? You know, obviously that's an extreme with us and, and with people that are fully into reaching their goals or chasing after their goals. But like that's, those are the conversations that I have with myself of, did I do everything today that I could, um, you know, with every decision um, and action focused around me reaching that goal? I think that if I can get to the end of my career, whether it's in three weeks or whether it's in you know, eight years, if I can get to the end of that and say, yeah, I did everything in my power and it was only, it was might never be good enough for the games. If I can do everything in my power to, to try to get there, how could I be upset? If I did everything I could, how could I be, how could I be upset with, with the end result? Peace of mind knowing that you did your best to become the best that you're capable of becoming, which is that famous definition of success from John Wooden. And it's just so fascinating to see all these things living through others in real time. Because you hear quotes and it's like, it's, it's easy for me to say, but to actually live that is really cool. And you mentioned really trying to do everything, get all your ducks in a row so that way it points towards your North Star goal and then really focused on being where your feet are and that sheer, utter presence. But along with that, Matt, comes a lot of sacrifice. You grew up in West Virginia. You graduated from West Virginia University. I believe your mom got you into CrossFit, right? Yeah, you did, you did your research. I, I appreciate that. I, I wanted to say it earlier, but I appreciate that. Um, yeah, uh, my mom had been doing CrossFit for three or four years before I even started. Um, and she, she was, she started whenever it was like literally in a warehouse, no loud music. Like it was just a bunch of like, in my opinion, <laughs> looking back at it, I was like, it's just a bunch of middle-aged people doing workouts. Like 
in this dingy, dirty space. Like, I was like, why would I do that? <laughs> and I, I like, you know, I was just like, ah, I'm good, mom. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I want to do that. Um, she would always try to be like, oh, hey, come on, Saturday. Like, it's Saturday workout. Like, her friend would try to get her son to go, and she would try to get me to go. And I was always just kind of like, uh, I don't know, mom. Like, I, I don't know about this. And you know, kind of did my own thing, like went to the typical like Globo gyms and, and all of that, but I had no idea anything about health or fitness. Um, like I was, my nutrition was terrible. My, I didn't sleep. I was, my workouts were pretty bad thinking back on it now. Um, but I had a moment where I was at our school's rec center and I was trying to back squat and I hadn't back squatted for a couple of months. And I had like 135 on the bar. And I couldn't do it. I literally failed the rep, took the weight off, put it back up, tried it again, failed it. Which is like the weightlifting form of like the walk of shame. It's like you're so embarrassed. You don't really know what you're doing. You put it back up, then your ego's like, I should be able to do this. That guy over there is doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I was like, what? I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I've, I was like, I have squatted before, I've, I've done this weight before. I know, I know what I should be doing. Um, but I was just like, I, I didn't know what happened. Um, and I texted her that night while I was there and I said, Hey mom, do you think that you could introduce me to the CrossFit coach and, you know, see if he could help, like, would he be able to help me back squat? She was like, yeah, come, come in tomorrow. And well, you know, you can talk to him. You can, you, he can put you through the session, whatever. So I did that. Um, went through just like a really basic back squat, like, he was just helping me with everything, like getting my feet right, getting my, you know, my, my mechanics right, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll keep doing that. And uh, kept showing up just with him, just working out with him um, during, you know, during his off time. And eventually it, it escalated to the points where he was like, oh, like, let's do this now. Like, let's try this. Um, or like, oh, hey, like, okay, this is what we're going to do today. I'm going to put you through, you know, we're going to do these deadlifts, but then we're also going to do this. And uh, he got me to the point where, where we did a CrossFit workout that was like a six-minute air map. It was, it was uh, burpees and kettlebell swings. And after the six minutes, I went to the bathroom, and I was like hugging the toilet. I was like on the verge of throwing up. Um, <laughs> and after that moment, uh, that was like the Kool-Aid moment for me. Like after that, I was like, okay, something's wrong. Like I should not be like this after six minutes of working out. Like, I need to start doing this more often. That's so cool, man. I, I think it's so cool to hear, like, how our brains work in relation to this concept of time, right? You look at six minutes and you're like, well, in the broad and inclusive element of a day, that's, you know, not very long. What is that? One-tenth of an hour. And it's, like, really not that long. But then you think about, like, sprinting a mile, I mean, you're probably doing that under six minutes and your heart rate's through the roof and you're putting out quite a bit of intensity. And then you look at a six-minute AMRAP, I think you said 12 kettlebell swings and six burpees. And the irony of that is yesterday, our competitive athletes had a little finisher of a six-minute AMRAP of 12 heavy wall balls, 30 for guys, 20 for, for ladies, and six toes to bar. And it's like three minutes into that workout and you're like, whoa. I just got punched in the face and it's so fascinating. Hopefully people listening that are maybe outside of the CrossFit arena understand that 
you don't need a ton of time to maximize your fitness and your your, your wellness. You can sneak it in, in in varying capacities. And so I didn't mean to interrupt you or cut you off, but I did want to throw that out there that like six minutes doesn't seem long until you're in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think like what you said uh, also makes a really good point that like your health and fit, like your health doesn't just have to be working out. Like it doesn't, it's not exclusive to that. And that's really what I started learning whenever I was getting into CrossFit and that eventually started getting competitive but like there's a lot of other aspects to your health that you can control um that aren't that have nothing to do with anything inside the wall of the gym um and those are some of the things that i try to like obviously still practice you know you when you do it at a high level you have to make sure your nutrition and sleep and hydration and uh you know your your non-exercise thermodynamics are, are on point but um you know like those are those are things that people really overlook and they think like oh well i went to the gym for an hour today like i'm, I'm fine I'm, i should be in shape it's like well what did you do with the other 23 like what what, what are you doing outside of the gym are you, are you healthy or are you you know are you using that as kind of a band-aid to say oh yeah i'm, I'm yeah I'm getting in shape i went to the gym i call that box checking where you're you're utilizing the time spent within the four walls of the gym to justify poor choices in the other spokes within the life wheel. And I think you bring up a really valid point. It's with social media, everybody's seeking this element of attention and validation. And nobody gives you a high five, a like, and a sexy comment with all the best emojis for saying, hey, I went for a one mile walk today. They're like, that's super easy. But people don't realize that that low hanging fruit of eating real food, connecting and smiling at people, getting sunlight first thing in the morning, optimizing your mindset through a little bit of journaling and meditation, and then you know, integrating whatever form of movement allows you to be consistent with a larger quantity of the days within the 365 that we are all gifted each year. And if you're doing things that are so hard and not consistent and utilizing it as a Band-Aid as you described, it's probably not enhancing your health biomarkers as well as you could by doing something that's potentially more sustainable. And so I think that's a really cool conversation to have where sometimes people get obsessed over this concept of, oh, was it hard? It's like, well, it doesn't necessarily need to be hard. It just needs to work. And you know, what, what are your thoughts on some of that as you've kind of navigated the educational side of things within coaching and movement and fitness? Yeah, I think that the one area, and it's not even within fitness, it's just this overarching idea that what you do each day, maybe, you know, as far as maybe in the gym, what you do each day doesn't really matter. It's can you stay consistent with it? Can you do it over the long term? Is this something that you can continue to make a habit? and something that you can keep doing for years. Um, we kind of had that, we kind of started this conversation, you know, uh, or, or we, we had talked a little bit about CrossFit, but like, I'm a true believer that whether you do CrossFit, whether you have a personal trainer, whether you're going to yoga, doing Pilates, going for hikes, going for bike rides, you know, like we said, at the end of the day, it's, it's all kind of the same thing. You know, you're, 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 you're expressing fitness, you're expressing, um, you know, your, your potential in different ways. And so 
I've never been one to judge somebody and say, oh, you don't do CrossFit, like take a hike. I don't want to talk to you. It's like, no, why would I, why would I say that? If you're, if you're going to the gym five days a week, if you're going to yoga six days a week, if you're doing something every day and you're, you know, you're not judging me for it, I'm not judging you for it. Like we're all getting better here. We're all doing things that are making us healthy and more than anything, make, keeping our mental health at the forefront of our mind, right? Like you don't want to be doing something day to day that you're like, dre- like dreading getting up and going for, if you, if you took the, if you took CrossFit for an example, but let's say you hated the workouts every single day, you make yourself get up at 5am to go to a class that you are just going to be grumpy and miserable about. It's like, that's that, like that, you might think that that's doing wonders for you and for your health. But I would argue that if you're not mentally, if you're not mentally happy with it, if you if your mental state is, you know, declining because of that, um, like what's the point? What's the point of doing that? Like, life is too short to to hate what you're doing day to day. Totally. It, it also I was having this cool conversation with uh, Matt Bickle. I don't know if you know him. He's he's the big dude that uh, just so full of life and love and energy. Yeah. He's a good friend of Sam Dancer, and he he's been out here for a little bit. We were having a cool conversation around this concept of when you go into a high level CrossFit space. That is for lack of a better word, obsession. And it needs to be in order to perform with the goal of trying to compete and get onto the podium. And at that moment, for most recreational people whose bag of rocks is really heavy with work and kids and all these other things that they have on their plate, doing so much that you're miserable or injured all the time or mentally in a bad space actually becomes sickness. It's not about health anymore. It's about this ego-driven parameter that you're trying to live up to, which is very challenging given all the other things that most people have in their life. And then you look at a competitive CrossFitter and they've trimmed the fat on their life and narrowed their focus in order to make that a major focus. And some people are able to kind of dabble with a few other things. I know Carrie Pierce has done that with her power abs and a few other people have been able to navigate that space. But I think it's really important to zoom out and look at your whole life and analyze your your value system. What things in life make me come alive where I get that magical, indescribable feeling? And how does my health and fitness protocol integrate into that versus only being that. If it is only that for some people, that's okay. It just means that something may have to give in, in the other arenas. And I think you bring up a really valid point there. And it's it's impressive that somebody like you that's so integrated in the weeds has the ability to zoom out and, and declutter how some of that gets mixed and matched sometimes. Yeah. I think about that a lot too, um, as far as, you know, what, what I'm doing day to day. Like, I think that, and this might just be speaking on, you know, high level CrossFit athletes and we can take this to a different area, uh, afterwards. But I think with a lot of high level CrossFit athletes, you place your value on the results and you place your value on how did I do in the open? How did I do it quarters? How did I do it semis? Did I make it to the games? Um, and 
what they don't realize is that, I mean, A, like, I hate to say it, but I will. Like, nobody cares. Like, do you, like could you tell me what place I finished in, in quarterfinals? Like, probably not. Like if I talk to if I talk to some of my buddies if I talk to Jared like you know he's not gonna know what I finished like he's not gonna know doesn't really know my numbers he doesn't really but you know what what I want to do is get to the end of my road you know both my end of my road in CrossFit and, and the end of my road in, in this life um, and be able to say like yeah I left an impact on people and what people talk about is not what I did in CrossFit what people talk about is not how strong I was or how fit I was or how fast I could row, um, you know, they, they talk about the impact that I left on their life. And um, I think that that plays a lot into how you view your training and how you view the things that you do day to day. Because obviously, if you want to be at a high level, you have to chase that to the point of obsession, right? Like you have to be, um, you know, like I, I love Kobe Bryant. I love Michael Jordan. Like those guys were obsessed with their craft. They did everything and they left no stone unturned. Um, but when you look at a guy like Kobe Bryant, like, you, like think about some of the amazing things, like think about all the amazing things and all the impacts that he's had on little kids' lives like mine, right? Where like, I couldn't, I couldn't say, I couldn't tell you how many points he scored or, or, you know, like I couldn't list off all of his accolades, but I can tell you the impact that watching his life um, has left on my life and how I choose to live. Two important factors for us over at Invictus Mindset are true care and attention to detail. My friends over at RX Markier have been bringing innovative fitness tools to the market since 2009. From their award-winning Evo speed ropes to their amazing gymnastics grips to their line of inflatable fitness equipment, they're constantly looking to problem solve within the fitness industry. They're always allowing us to have our gear work for us rather than against us. Hop on over to RX Mark Gear and use discount code Invictus Mindset to shop their latest cutting edge gear. Have your gear work with you and not against you. I think it comes down to the manner in which you do things. And, and if you do those things with the utmost work ethic, the end result doesn't always matter. I mean, we look back at the famous Rudy story, and it's not like his college career was, you know, numbers and metrics. It was like, man, he was on the team, then he was cut, then he was on scout team, and he never really dressed, but he kept showing up, and he was trying to navigate, you know, getting the grades so that he could stay in school, and then he got that one opportunity, and that opportunity led to him getting carried off the field in this legendary, iconic moment. And that came down to the consistent work ethic, the drive, the wanting to better himself and seek that edge, which has motivated and inspired millions of people. And I, th I think the way you describe that is really cool. And I think also like you have this, this unique mentality that I think f flies underneath the radar. So I'm really excited that we can kind of unpack that today and share that with listeners because I, th I think this is an element that people don't know that much about you. And circling back to some of our conversation around your relationship with your father and his incredible work ethic, I might argue that Justin Kotler has this unique father figure-like aura about him. It's this cool presence. 
you develop a little smirk just by me mentioning his name. And um, I mean, you traveled quite, quite, quite a, quite a distance to go connect with him and the underdog crew. So, you know, what's that journey been like working with him, having him coach you, and then just having his presence in your life there in Las Vegas? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, before Justin and I had ever started working together, we developed, you know, we, we connected um, at a little competition actually in West Virginia. Um, we had traveled to London together and again, hit it off and, and connected really well. Um, he's helped me through, like he, he's helped, obviously he's helped me a lot with CrossFit. Like he's, I mean, I, uh, I've, I've done a lot of good, I've done a lot of cool things as, as I've worked with him. Um, but again, like that's not the stuff that I brag about Justin uh, or brag about my relationship with Justin. Um, you know, I brag about the fact that he really has like helped, helped me as, as a man, you know, with some things that like I didn't, I didn't realize maybe at the time that they would be so impactful, but um, you know, he's, he's kind of been there for me through, you know, through heartbreaks, through, you know, through dealing with grief, um, you know, through dealing with just uncomfortable and difficult situations that, you know, like those are things that kind of like, you know, you're not really taught how to have a conversation uh, and, you know, and like break up with somebody or you, you don't know how to have a conversation to try to get somebody to um, understand your point of view. Like the, the things are hard, um, but he's been there for a lot of that. You know, he, he kind of, he kind of is like that father figure where like, we, we don't need to, we, like, I don't need to sit there and talk to him day to day about how I feel. Like he, he knows, he can tell. Um, I don't need to sit there and, you know, like he, him and I, I think at this point have, develop this connection to where, you know, we're, we're both kind of the same person in that, you know, we can both be analytical when we need to, we can both be very emotional when we need to. Um, we can both be very, like, like I said, passionate and driven, um, but also, you know, calming and endearing to others when we need that. Um, and those are things that like, I'm not the greatest at, at expressing these things and saying thank you for all of it, but like, I see how he navigates all these things. I see how he goes through, you know, like this season has been tough for him. Like he's, he had, he had to, to deal with Bethany on um, not, not being able to compete. And, you know, his, uh, like he, he's, he's launched his business and he, you know, he had Carrie step away after last year. And so like, there's a lot of things that he goes through day to day that I learned from him that is not necessarily him coming up to, to me and saying, Hey, you know, these are, like, this is what I'm doing here. And this is why I said this to this person. It's like, I, I watch that stuff. Um, and I think that that's what really fires me up about working with him is that like, yeah, from a coaching perspective, he's fucking smart and he's a great coach and he knows everything that, um, that it takes to get to that high level. But at the same time, like when you look at what he does as a person, like those are all things that I want to also do. Um, and so just being around this environment and like, Obviously, I have a lot of trust in him if I up and left my family and, and, and my comfortable situation to come out and pursue this full time. Like, I, you know, I put a lot into uh, a lot of trust into him, but I wouldn't have done that if I didn't feel this way, if I didn't feel like I had this connection with him. 
I think that's so cool. And it goes back to what we described a little bit offline around this concept of of science in the world. And I think that's a, a great description of a unique frequency that you and Justin share with one another that's a little bit nonverbal based on pre and post actions within and outside of the, the relationship landscape, the observation of characteristics and value systems and piecing all of that together with this amazing ingredient called emotional intelligence. And I think it's really cool the way you, you described that because running a business is hard, man. I mean, you come in with this generalized plan of steps A through Z and you get tossed a curveball of, hey, Carrie's going to step away from the competitive landscape and move towards running her business. She'll still have presence within the gym, but that was kind of your quarterback who everybody turned to for the energy and for advice and knowing that she had a little bit of a veteran vibe about her within your guys' space. And then when when that ended, you you all turned to Bethany, the queen of activation and warm-ups and mobility and this amazing demeanor where she could turn it on when she needed to, but then she could back off and have, you know, more of a spiritual down-regulating vibe. And, you know, she's had such a hard time with back injuries, despite some very impressive performances at West Coast Classic last year and Wadapalooza this year. And then obviously having her bout with COVID at the games and then the back injury, it's, it's not just about the inability to compete for her, but it's it's the emotional side of things. And I think you guys and, and Justin are well equipped to have those very special conversations around, yes, we can talk about competing in your career. But more importantly is the humanizing side of that conversation of, are you okay? That was an outlet for you to express yourself through movement exploration. And now that has been taken away. What are some of those special conversations that maybe you've been a part of or maybe that you've witnessed associated with how to travel through adversity? Because as you mentioned, there's a lot of things here that there's no roadmap to, to overcome an injury. There's no roadmap when you're going through a breakup or navigating grief after the loss of a loved one. What are those conversations kind of like with Justin and the crew out there at Underdogs? That's a great question. Um, I think that because of our situation last year where we had five, I mean, I, I including myself, we had five high-level athletes, and I got to experience what that looks like from a practical standpoint of them competing and them being a professional within the sport. Um, but at the same time, you know, obviously we spent a lot of time together. We got to know each other. Um, like I got to know Carrie and I got to know Bethany to to a very, you know, to, to a level that people don't get to see. And so you start to develop these friendships with these people that like, like I said, you don't, I, like, I don't care how many times Carrie has been the fittest woman on earth. I mean, it's awesome. It's really cool. It's really respectable. Um, you know, but same thing with Bethany, like, it, like the, the the achievements that she has gotten or that Carrie has gotten and, and you know received in her life, those things aren't what I think of when I think of Carrie and Bethany. When I think of Carrie and Bethany, I think of the people 
and the characteristics that they embody, but how they treated me and how they were there for me whenever I'm going through hard things. And just any kind of conversation that we would have around um, around feelings or around emotions or whether it's workouts in the gym or outside of that, um, you know, these people are people that you grow to care about. And again, that's what, that's what I really think is, is important about the legacy that I want to leave because I know that if I was ever struggling with anything, I could go up to Justin or I could go over to Bethany or I could go over to Carrie and I could talk to them about whatever I'm going through and they're going to listen to me and they're going to hear me and they're going to, whether they know the right words to say or whether they know the time to give me a hug um, or to say, hey, you got to snap out of this. Um, they, they know all those things and that's because we've developed this really tight bond out here. Um, and so I think that that, I know that that's not, you know, these aren't specific conversations that we've had with each other, um, you know, or specific conversations with Justin, but it's just this comforting feeling knowing that they care about me. Um, and I think that that's something that you don't, maybe, maybe you see that in other camps, right? Like obviously you spend a lot of time together with, with everybody that you're training with, but, um, that's the one thing that I find really special about this camp is that, you know, with, with these people that I look up to, I do look up to them, but at the same time, I look up to them as family members. Like I look up to them as like a big sister or another step, you know, another father figure in my life. So, that's rad, man. I appreciate you sharing that. It's cool to hear the different dynamics. You know, I've spoken to quite a few people in other camps as well. And um, it's just fun to hear the relationships and the stories that come about from that. And with that being said, you know, on one end of the spectrum, and, and Justin's kind of said this, where you've got like Carrie and Bethany, but then you look at the other end of the spectrum and you look at like how lively someone like Danielle Brandon is. You know, what's what's it been like connecting with her and what, you know, is the ingredient that she kind of brings into your training crew? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, Danielle, I think that if you talk to anybody, um, they will tell you how fierce of a competitor she is. She is the type of, like she, I would say that her mentality um, and her competitiveness would rival, you know, somebody like a Michael Jordan where, they're not afraid to yell at you. They're not afraid to, um, you know, to, to go head to head with you and to, to clash with you and be competitive and want to beat you every single day. Um, and that's one thing that whenever you train by yourself, you don't really feel that you don't really get that sense of like, no, I'm coming out for blood. Like I'm coming out for your blood. I'm going to whip your butt on this workout. Um, and with Danielle, it's, it's like that a lot. It's like that all the time. It's like, we could be doing, you know, like obviously like my, calories or my uh, meters or things will be different but like she's got that mentality of like I'm coming out for blood I'm coming out to beat you on every single workout um and so see like seeing that day to day um you know like it's a little intimidating at first you're kind of like wow like do I do I have what it takes to, to step up to the plate and like go head to head with that but um as you go through it you know again like these people are, are you know they're they're good people and so it's never it's never really a it was intended, but when you go head to head in a workout and you get heated and you know, you might say things or you might, but like it really, what that does is that, that kind of like sparks that fire in me where I'm like, okay, now I want to beat you. Like you're coming out for my blood. I'm coming out for yours. Like, let's go do it. Like 
she's cool. really, really, really fit. Like she's uh, like, I am very impressed with the things that she's doing in training camp right now. And, um, you know, if she continues on this trajectory, like it's scary for everybody else out there. So yeah, she, she's made quite a name for herself and, you know, watching her at the games last year was so inspiring. You know, obviously we can talk about the amazing handstand, you know, walking she did on those parallettes and how fast she was. But more importantly, the mentality of navigating some of the challenging COVID protocols where she was isolated, she had to wear a mask, there was judgment, there was so much intertwined with that. And despite it all, she was so focused on just giving her best effort and being able to balance the emotions, not just of competing, but of the challenging protocols that all of us, you know, were, were really navigating last last few years. And so I would love to have her on the show and kind of pick her brain a little bit because it's just cool to see, you know, how all of you guys uniquely attack the sport of CrossFit, but then bring it back to that family vibe and then simultaneously that competitive vibe. Like it'd be fun to hear all the smack talking that kind of takes place during some of the sessions. I know he's gone now. He's he's on uh Team Iceland, I think they're called, out out overseas. And you know, you've spent some time with Con Porter in your your West your your uh Wadapalooza adventure this last year with James Newberry as well. What was it like training with the super strong, always animated Tola? It was more like I learned more from him than I think I want to realize. Um because again, I had never been around high-level athletes, whereas Tola has been around high-level athletes for a lot of his a lot of his life, really, like being a, a collegiate wrestler, um, going and participating on the grid in the grid league, um, and then having all of his games teams with Invictus. Like he's been around, he's been around the sport, but he's been around a lot of high-level competitors, and um, just being able to like watch him navigate and watch how he can be even keel and how, you know, maybe if somebody's having a bad day, um, like, and for, to me, like that might be something that's distracting and that might be something that I maybe put more energy into. Paul is the type of guy that's just like, okay. Like if you're upset and you're, you're over there, you know, getting down about a workout, Paul is the type of guy that would be like, all right, I got some snatches to do. Like, let's go power snatch 305. Like, he, he just, like, he, he didn't give a lot of uh, extra, like, he, he, was very fo- he was very focused on himself. Um, and so, like, learning that from him um, was, was really cool. And, like, trying to do that, you know, now while I'm out here um, has, has been really cool. It's hard to do. There's so many shiny objects, you know, not just within the landscape of the world, but also within a CrossFit gym where your energy can get pushed and pulled in in varying directions. And it's important to have, you know, that narrow focus of what is the program design? How does this fit within my journey and how do I execute this appropriately? So that way, you know, I can move on to other things within life or, or at least really be focused on the craft in that moment. And I mean, it shows the dude is super strong and it's cool to to watch him evolve within his career. I got to cross paths with him a little bit at the games when he was on Invictus Boston and I was on Team Invictus. It was cool to spend some time with him, not just in, in 
the competing arena, but outside of it, you know, when we're having some food and, you know, at a meal and kind of picking his brain a little bit, which is cool because he's been around for a long time. And typically we don't see the strong guys around for a long time because they develop an injury or they don't want to continue to play with the cardio and the skills. And he's been able to kind of hang on, which is, which is very impressive because he's a big boy. He's a big, strong boy, but yeah, whenever you start to like get to know T, it's, it's really cool. Like we started, uh, I started. I started watching anime shows because of Tola's recommendations. Like we we would play a lot of board games out here. Like we would, we would do a lot of just like random stuff. Like go watch movies. Like he he was very much like a friend that I felt comfortable being around. And like you know, again, like you spend a lot of time with people in the gym. But what's cool about T is like whenever you would go, you know, and, and like if I go over to his house or if we go over and. and uh, do whatever, go out and do whatever. Like, there's no crosshead talk. Like, we're we're not talking about that stuff, um, which is really that's a, that's an important thing for me. You know, like you spend a lot of time obsessing and thinking about and talking about exercise and fitness. Um, and so whenever I can, whenever I can detach from that and not have to think about it for a little while, um, that's something that I really like. I really appreciate people that let me do that. Right, like. I want to spend time with people where we'll talk about everything else under the sun, except for the one thing that I spend my whole life doing. But that's awesome to me. Like, I love that. And Paul is one of those people where like, whenever we hang out, we're not talking about how we're doing in workouts or what our times are or what we're lifting. It's like, we literally will never like, I like at, at the start of it, like whenever I would bring up workouts, talk about like the workout we did that day or the lifting or the motto and be like, Oh yeah, that was tough. It would be like, that was the conversation. I'd say, yeah, that piece was really hard this morning. And he'd be like, yeah, it was. And then we would literally <laughs> be done talking about it. Like that was it. Um, but I, I really That's appreciate funny, that man. about him. That's rad. What was it like being on a team with legends like Con Porter and James Newberry as you guys attacked the famous Wadapalooza with uh, – Matt O'Keefe's last year with Loudon Live Sports. I mean, it, it felt like a party out there. You guys just seemed like you were having so much fun. You know, obviously those guys are from across the pond. And so how did you kind of link with them? And it, it almost seemed like a pretty seamless fit. You guys were just having a blast. That I loved the outfits and, yeah. you know, the fun Aloha shirts and just like, it, it was just really fun as a spectator to observe the antics that came along with some really high performance. Yeah, well, we, we, we appreciate that. It was um, it was kind of random how I got involved with it. Um, they, Con, the, one of their athletes, uh, Jay Crouch, um, who I got to meet, who's uh, another phenomenal, outstanding dude. He's a really good athlete as well. Um, that he had to pull out of the competition. And so Con hit up Justin and um, asked if he knew anybody. He first asked if Ricky Gerard wanted to be a part of their team because it fit with the Aussies. Um, but Ricky was competing as an individual or was about to compete as an individual until he had to pull out. Um, and then, so then I think Colin was talking about Pola because they did the demo team together. But that was right around the same time where it was on the hush hush, but he was getting ready to move to Iceland. Um, and so Justin was like, hey, Matt, do you, like, you want to go do this? And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, should I? Like, you know, I, I want to focus on my season. I want to do this. And he's like, well, 
like it would be a blast like it wouldn't be anything less than fun if that like you know you're gonna get some fitness in you're gonna go have a great time in miami you know what like he's like i think you should do it and again that's one of those moments where if justin's like hey i think you should do it it's like okay i should do it so went down there and uh really it was just like it was kind of silly, you know, because I'm sure, like, I, I hope that I will have more of, the, of these moments, but that was a moment or a weekend or, like, a moment in time where I'm around all these guys that I used to watch all the time on YouTube or on TV or on Instagram, and I would see all the really cool things that Colin would, would do or I'd see the awesome stuff James was doing, and I got to connect and meet people like Noah Olson and Chandler and um, you know, Sam Dancer, like I got to meet him. And these are all people that I looked up to, um, you know, growing up. And so just being able to like share the field with them was really cool. Um, and you know, that was like a, a little, like the kid inside of me was like trying not to be too, too much of a fanboy, but or a fangirl, but I had to, but honestly, James and Con both like took me in like a little brother. They helped me out with a lot through that weekend. Um, you know, competition-wise, you know, managing, like, James and I still talk, like, like pretty regularly, um, and we'll talk about just, like, random stuff, or I'll ask him, like, you know, for some advice on, uh, you know, maybe, like, how to approach a brand to maybe collaborate with, or um, how to how to approach training whenever, you know, your, your mentality is a little bit off, or um, there's just a lot of things that they, that they continue to help me with that, like, if I like, if I didn't go there, I wouldn't have learned these things, obviously, and I wouldn't have had these opportunities. But um, the same way that the same way that that happened is like the same way that I ended up in Vegas, which is just that a door was open, and I said, I don't know how long this door will be open for. It's something I want to be a part of. Let me walk through and see what happens. And you know, obviously, I'm super grateful because of it, and like, I don't think that I would be in the position or, or just, I don't think like I would have some of these opportunities that I'm, uh, of brands that I'm working with or, um, you know, even like my mentality and, and even, uh, you know, things like that wouldn't have had that if I didn't go to Waterpalooza. So it was a super cool experience. That's cool, man. It's such a, it's such a cool hub of, of fitness and branding and a party like atmosphere to practice the art of movement exploration at such a high level. And, you know, you got some exposure on the team side of things. Did that uh, ignite any fire for, you know, you wanting to be on the team side or you still dig the individual side? No, I, I still dig the individual side. Um, I always view this as like, I want, I want to be the sole uh, responsibility for what the outcome is. So mm-hmm. if I die on strict handstand pushups, I don't want anybody else to have to suffer because of that so I don't know I just really and like I said I know that I think that that weekend really opened my eyes to say like okay you know again it's not a team side but like you know we did we did really well and like I was able to hang with guys like James and Colin and so just like being able to know that deep down like I have a lot of potential and capability left to explore but where I'm at right now is like still decently good or like still like you know still at least able to to keep up with some of these guys um uh, give yourself some more credit than that i mean for people listening i know we're not obsessed with the outcome right here but uh 
workout five in quarterfinals, man. I believe you took a first place finish. You should be pretty freaking proud of that. You know, for people people listening, the workout was four time, 30 cal row, 20 burpee box jump overs, and then 10 snatches, 185 for gentlemen. And uh, Mr. Matt DeLugos took a first place. What was your time? Two something? Uh, 219. 219. First, first in the world. What was your row? Would you get off in like 45 seconds? It was like 38, 39 seconds. Jeez Louise. I mean, for people listening, if at the very least you want to test how fast you can do a 30 cal row, whether it's in a CrossFit gym, a Globo gym, a hotel gym, go test that out. And that'll kind of give you a little bit of respect for how much power output Matt was putting into that concept too. Erg, not to mention, burpee box jump overs are tough. Man, was it a thirty or twenty-four inch box? Twenty-four. Okay, yeah. that's that's a little little nicer considering those daddy long legs over there. But then, I mean, you look at one eighty-five. That's that's moderate weight now compared to you know high weight being like two twenty-five now for the gentleman. Lightweight being one thirty-five and below. You know what? What's your strength development been kind of like? That can't be easy. You know with super long levers. You obviously maneuvered the 185 power snatches, no problem in that workout. But what's your strength kind of focus been like as you're developing within your CrossFit career? Yeah. Um, a lot of what I struggle with is more on the absolute side of strength. And, um, I've, I've never really been a strong, I think my deadlift is decently strong just based on my, uh, like lever mechanics. But back squat. High five. That makes two of us. Yeah, Me, nice. you, and Tommy Marquez. <laughs> What's your deadlift? Uh, I think my best ever is 582. That's amazing. And I thought it was over six, and I videoed it, and I sent it to, to one of our coaches at the time, Tina Marini, and I miscounted the kilos. And I was like, hey, I got, I got you beat. And he, like, of course, paused the video, counted it, and I was like, dang, I still have never pulled six. You're totally right. Yeah. <laughs> I think Kiefer uh, actually – has a pretty close deadlift to 600. He might, he might be over the nice. 600 mark, um, which is awesome. I believe it, man. I mean, he's a real strong guy. Super Can strong. you share with our audience a little bit about Kiefer and, and how he fits within the puzzle? Yeah, so um, so Kiefer Lamy is, I believe he still is uh, involved with the Invictus Boston uh, coaching up there. He's works for Black Iron Nutrition as well. Um, super, super smart dude. He actually came out to visit whenever Tola came out to visit to potentially move out here. So that's kind of where Kiefer got uh, exposed to underdogs and Justin Cutler and all of that stuff. And essentially, like, as we have progressed and as the business for underdogs has grown, uh, we've seen a role come up that Kiefer could fill, which is a little bit of, like, I don't want to call him an assistant coach. Like, that's kind of, kind of takes away from what he does. But, you know, essentially when we go into the gym, there's six athletes that have made it to semifinals and probably six to eight that haven't that are focused on their next year. Um, and so what Kiefer does is, is basically he helps run the day-to-day coaching in the gym. So obviously Justin only has, you know, only has so much time that he can kind of share with everybody. Um, and so what Kiefer does is he kind of compliments Justin in that and where you know, if Justin's not able to watch somebody, you know, if we're all lifting together, we're all lifting at the same time, Kiefer can go over and watch somebody lift. And he's a super smart guy. He's a fellow tall guy. He's six, 
He's 6'3". He's not taller than me. Don't let him tell you that he's taller than me if you ever talk to him. But um, he, you know, he's strong. He's, he, he has a background in strength and conditioning. He has a background in Olympic weightlifting. So very, very knowledgeable guy. And, um, and, and really, too, he's, he's, he's also a little bit in touch with his emotions. So, like, if I have an emotional day in the gym, like, he can come over and talk to me and either, you know, he knows what to say, right? He knows whether to say, hey, like, you know, this is okay. These are hard workouts. Like you still did, you know, you still did well. Let's look at it from an analytical standpoint and break it down. Or he can be like, Hey, you need to stop piling about this. You need to start, you know, focusing on your next session or your next piece or whatever. And like, let's move on. Let's get better. So Kiefer is super, super cool. I think that's such a good arrangement. We have, we have something very similar where there's a little bit of collaboration amongst our coaches with Invictus Athlete and you know, obviously CJ's time is limited. He's, he's running businesses and, you know, trying to make sure everything in the day-to-day operations can run relatively seamlessly in the varying arenas of Invictus. And it's so cool that, you know, we, we've had Tino in the past kind of operating things. And now we've navigated a little bit with Holden and Hunter kind of helping out. And, you know, I'm able to help a little bit and some of our other coaches are able to help a little bit and provide different avenues for success. And that's, that's super cool that you guys are, are kind of finding a rhyme and a rhythm out there. As we kind of pull things in, into full circle, because I know you're going to be jumping into session two here in a little while. You came onto the scene at the 2021 West Coast Classic, which was at the Orleans there in Las Vegas. And there were so many COVID protocols everybody's dancing and hopping from lily pad to lily pad, not really sure what's right, what's wrong. Mandates were different across state lines. Training was was really chaotic. It, some people did it at home. Some people had really accessory-driven program because they had limited equipment. Some people had access to gyms. Some people had to like secretly get it done in gyms without broadcasting it. Some people were going into globo gyms to try to execute their program. How did you, you know, foster this emotional maturity to be able to bust onto the scene there at West Coast Classic when the world, you know, a year to, to, to a year and a half before that was really just, nobody really knew what, what the path was. And then all of a sudden you came out of nowhere where, you know, we all knew Spencer Hendel in the past. We knew Asia Bartow. We knew Brent Fikowski. But we didn't really know you, and I'd probably argue we didn't really know James Sprague that much at the time either, other than competing on the team side or on the teen side of things. How did you kind of foster this training environment for yourself to to, to really peak a little bit at that West Coast Classic event? Man, that's a great question because I would argue, I wouldn't argue, I would I would say that I don't think that that was even me like I mean maybe maybe I did start to make a name for myself a little bit there but um as an athlete especially talking about maturity that was not like I I I look back at that as more of a loss as far as like how I executed and where like the things that I let happen uh throughout that weekend and there are things that you know it, it took me a little bit of time to kind of figure out like I, I, I got to the end of the weekend and I was just like disappointed, um, you know, and, and I like 
I don't know whether it was because I set really high expectations on myself um, that I felt like I had let myself down or let people down, but um, I was really disappointed. And whenever I look back at it, I look at the very first event, um, you know, three, two, one, go, start snatching 185, move on to 205, get to 225, and I start missing. Um, and I missed a handful of reps there. And that was something where the saying goes, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And the way that I handled the rest of the weekend after that event was terrible. It was not, it was not the way that an athlete should handle the weekend, or, or at least it's not the way that I would handle the weekend as the athlete that I want to be. Um, you know, like it was, it, like it was still a good weekend. I finished 12th, which I was a loaded, a really loaded semifinal. Um, there's a lot of really good, the depth of the games athletes there was so deep, but I don't look at it comparing myself to like, oh, you know, comparing myself to others or comparing myself to, you know, uh, like how people finished or where I thought I could finish or if I thought I was better than somebody else. I look at it as like, did I do what I could do in all of those controllable areas to put myself in the best position at the end of that weekend? Um, and really from that first event, I think that I got punched in the face and I started getting upset and I started letting the doubt creep in and I started letting those negative emotions overflow my body and my mind and affect the rest of the weekend. Um, and just like from that point on, I was uh, like, I was climbing out of the hole that I had dug for myself. So you know, given given the training like and the preparation up to that point, I had felt really, really good. I had felt th that I was the most fit that I had been um, up until this year. But I was really mentally in this space where, like, I had only considered the positive outcome. I had only considered the best-case scenario. I didn't even think about, like, hey, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? And am I okay with that happening? And so that's something that I spent a lot of time working on. And, I've been really lucky to be out here with people like Carrie where I can bounce these things off of her and I can, you know, not only look to emulate what she does, but I can look to pick apart her mind and figure out, hey, if I have a workout where I finish in 28th place and I blow up, like, how do I, how do I brush that off and get to the next event? How do I, how do I handle, you know, maybe, maybe it's just um, higher emotions or maybe there's other things going on that are outside of my control or my competitors are just really a lot better than me like how do I navigate throughout a weekend to get to the end of it and say hey I did everything that I could this weekend you know and, and that kind of loops back to what we were talking about as far as the preparation up to that point but what I really want to do this year with the Granite Games is say whenever I get through that weekend did I do everything in my power that weekend to put myself like did did I did I do everything in my control to, to make my dream come true. And if that's worth 25th place or if it's worth first place, like I, I wouldn't be upset with the outcome um, if I knew that I controlled everything. So really like West Coast Classic was, was great, was a great learning experience for me. Well, it was cool to watch, man. It was cool to see you come onto the scene. And, you know, obviously it's really cool to have this very special conversation with you where you get to, unapologetically be yourself and share some of the peaks and the valleys of your career thus far. And uh, fortunately, both of our San Diego uh, Invictus teams will also be headed out to Granite Games. So I'm, I'm really excited to head out there and connect with you, Matt, and pick your brain and, and fanboy and, you know, 
push your buttons a little bit. And um, what what can we expect from you this season, man? You've done some cool things. You've obviously been working on your whole arsenal and your toolbox, not just the physical, but the mental, the emotional, the recovery. Uh, what what can we kind of expect from you that you this year? And you know, what are you looking forward to out at Granite Games? I think that you can expect a little bit, like I said, a little bit of a more mature, hopefully more well-rounded athlete. Um, I worked a lot of my holes in my game this year and I uh, don't think that those holes are as big as they used to be. Um, obviously, I still have some strengths that are out there that I'm looking to, to tap into, but you know, I'm hoping to hoping to entertain people. I'm hoping to get people excited about watching a tall boy work out and uh, you know, hopefully inspire some other tall boys to be like, yeah, I can go do that. I can, I can give this a try. So, But if anything else, too, this is really laying the groundwork for me. And... Um, you know, I, I hope that I have a long career left in the sport. So whether it's this year or whether it's five years from now, um, I'm looking forward to just going out there, having a great time, giving it everything that I got and, uh, and being happy with the weekend. I dig it, Matt. Throughout our conversation today, you talked quite a bit about the impact and the legacy that you would like to leave. If you could put that into words and potentially share that on a billboard there on the strip in Las Vegas, what message would you like to potentially share? I wish I had like a one-liner for you to put on a billboard, but a lot of the things that I see in my life are that people get caught up in the day-to-day. They get caught up in the anxiety of what's to come. They get caught up thinking about what could have happened or should have happened. And so... I really try to live my life being as present as I can, which is hard, right? I'm I'm not saying that it's easy to be present, but, um, you know, things that help me are looking at your day or looking at your life and realizing that there's a lot of beauty in this life that we live. You know, we, we all experience this world in different ways and we view this world in different ways. And so, but being able to, to flip your mindset to be more grateful and to be more happy with the things that you do have. I think that that makes the biggest impact in people's lives and, and just changes everything for the better and makes people happy. So um, if I had to say anything, it'd just be like, find something today that's going to be beautiful. Find something today that you can smile about and, uh, and then just try to do that every day, man. Like this life is, life is too short to be upset at be happy. I dig it, Matt. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share some of your thoughts and these little nuggets for our amazing community. For those of you listening, if you enjoyed my conversation with CrossFit athlete Matt DeLugos, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. And as always, stay on the hunt for who you've not yet become. Are you over 35 and in need of a solid training program? Are you looking to improve your athleticism and keep up with the younger athletes in your CrossFit gym? Then look no further than our Invictus Masters program. This program places year-round emphasis on mobility and stability exercises with movements that we have seen directly benefit our Masters athletes. Our program is led by Nicole DeHart and offers a training program designed specifically for Masters athletes who are looking to compete at a higher level in the sport of CrossFit. Some of our top Masters athletes in the world train with us, including CrossFit Games champion Kevin Kester, Matt Beals, and Pat Sprague. 
You can learn more about their stories and the Invictus Masters program by checking out their episodes right here on the Invictus Mindset Podcast. If you'd like more information about the current training cycle or to join the Invictus Masters program, please email Nicole at InvictusAthlete.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-E at InvictusAthlete.com.